right, welcome back all you P-Jammers out there to Pearl Jam's Black Circles podcast. It has been quite a while since we've gotten back together, and we're all kind of... I know Wes is super geeking out right now, so I am geeking out because we actually have our first real live professional guest, guitar aficionado, musical guitarist teacher extraordinaire, Ryan Lint, YouTube master. How are you doing, my brother? Well, I'm doing pretty good now. We've all we've all got our glass of uh, Eddie Vedder's uh, cho- choice drink here. Cheers, uh, cheers. Got to give Red it up. Wine and uh, it's it's Friday, and I'm talking to you, lovely people. So what's not to love? So yeah, it's a great day. It's yes. a great day. Got to bust out a little red for the Ed. You know how it goes, man. Mm-hmm. Yes, I like it. Awesome. <laughs> so Wes, you found well, I. Okay, so Wes, Wes, Wes calls me up, right? He's like, okay, uh, I'm pretty sprung on this dude. I've been learning how to play guitar Easy. from him for a Easy. while. It's okay. We're all friends now. You know, it's all good. Okay. And, uh, and I'm like, okay, yeah, that'd be so sweet. Uh, let's get someone on that's a huge jammer. And so once he, Ryan, once he told me your name, you know, I went and checked out your YouTube site and I was like, oh, shit. I totally know this guy. I've been watching him actually for six years now, seven years. Six years. I've right. only been doing it for five and a half, so you're a time traveler. I saw, I think the first one I saw from you, well, one was some of your solo stuff that you had. I love the song um, Down There. Oh, from wow. A long oh time my ago. Gosh. That's incredible that you know that. Okay, so thank you for I lo- listening to that song. So I love that. And then I think <laughs> six years ago, you and probably one of your bros, Aaron, were doing... Aaron Paulo. Yeah. yeah. So we <laughs> He's were... my student. Yeah. So we were doing a little... Uh, I think you guys were doing a little Faithful or something like that. And what really struck okay. me is the poster you guys had behind you of Eddie and Jeff, you know, on stage, leaning up against each other with the mist and the, the lean crowd. poster. Yeah. The lean dude. Yeah. I totally had that over my bed in college mm-hmm. forever. So I was like, shit, dude, this is my bro. This is so awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why did, it, why did it take you six years to, <laughs> to call me up? <laughs> We're, you're my bro. We're bros. Yeah. Well, we started this kind of during the pandemic, obviously, when everything shut down. Wes and I would always, you know, he moved. We started talking. We we're always, always revolving around PJ and Eddie and the <laughs> musical scene. And so we um, were like, shit, we talk about this all the time anyway. Why don't we just do a podcast? It's super non-professional. We just do our own thing. But it was a way for us to connect every week and um, get a little FaceTime, which is cool. And you're reaching out to a lot of people, my friend. I mean, you're our goal is to get you up to a hundred thousand subscribers by the end of the month, you know. So <laughs> by the end of the month, we're right. gonna get you there, man. <laughs> so tell us hey, how you I, got I, started. I, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so when I when I was okay, so I lived. Um, my parents don't listen to music. <laughs> we'll just say we'll just say that. So. I, uh, when I was, uh, my dad had a trumpet. He play he plays the trumpet. Yeah. And, and he, he does. And, uh, and when I was 10, it would, it came time to pick the band instrument you're going to play. Right. Yeah. And I, I thought, I thought as a, as a, as a, I guess a frugal 10 year old for some reason, that if I played trumpet, I could just use my dad's trumpet and I wouldn't even have to buy my own trumpet. So I did. So I, so I entered band class 
with my dad's trumpet. And I'll tell you what, I used to run home and practice the trumpet for hours every day. It was my favorite darn thing to do in the entire world. I would the boring scale exercises out the wazoo. I had a tape recorder and I had, uh, you know, a tape recorder and a duet book. And I would record the lower duet and I would play it back and play with myself on the higher duet. And I'm talking two, three, four hours a day. I just could not get enough of the trumpet and uh, just could. Yeah. And, and then uh, two years later, uh, Rob Broderick, <laughs> you, you know, Rob Broderick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. No, I don't actually. Who's Rob? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just teasing. He's the guy that lived down the street. You know, Rob Broderick. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Rob. Know, Rob. Our, yeah. Our, right. our bro Rob. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> right. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I, having never heard a rock song in my entire life, not even knowing what rock and roll was when I was 12, I just happened to, uh, you know, open myself up to this, this listening to this group of, of, of peers, you, you know what I mean? And, and Rob Broderick at this particular month. Uh, and he decided he was, he was, you know, he was Rob Broderick. He, you do what Rob Broderick says. Uh, right. As you do. Of course. <laughs> right. And uh, he decided, he decided that everyone should buy Vitology. Okay. Smart man. Pearl Jam album. Yeah. Smart man. And I, and I said, I said, what's a Pearl Jam? What's a Pearl Jam? I don't know what a Pearl Jam is. Anyways, I dutifully bought Vitology and uh, you know raced home and uh, put it in my in my in my boombox <laughs> in my boombox in my room. And uh, Last Exit came on, and I thought, Oh God, this is bad. Why did I buy Vitology? This is the worst thing I ever heard. Now, I never I didn't, know, didn't know what rock and roll was. Yeah, I right. I don't know, but but I wanted I wanted to be in Rob Broderick's good graces. All right. So I, I dutifully. <laughs> It's very dutiful towards Rob. Okay. <laughs> dutifully continued listening to Vi to Vitology until one day, until one day I'll never forget the moment. I started humming along to Nothing Man, and it, yeah. it just it was the first song I ever liked. Nothing Man. I didn't know what Eddie looked like. I didn't know who Eddie was. I didn't, you know, I didn't know their names, but nothing. I thought Eddie was black, to be honest, just from <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> when I was twelve. <laughs> Well, yeah, and, well uh, I was going to say, Nothing Man, I, I, of course, I, I do play a little guitar, and I, got, I, I sent you a note on this. Nothing Man, I think your your rendition of that is fantastic, so kudos. I, I mean, Nothing Man's got a real soft spot in my heart, too, and it's just so amazing. Like, each Pearl Jam fan kind of has that one signals song. For me, of course, mm -hmm. it was Alive. Now, I've told Alive. this story before where I was like, I was in my mom's, I was a little, a little bit later in their lifetime when I came on, but like, I heard Alive for the first time in my mom's minivan. I'm just like... Oh my God. Like this was like in sync time. Like, thank God there's something else. Like, this is amazing. You know, I remember Nino was saying the same thing about 10. Like, so it's kind of interesting that you came into it three albums in and then kind of did some backtracking too. So that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, th and then Rob Broderick decided that everyone should start playing the guitar. Right. Nice. So I dutifully bought a guitar <laughs> and I dutifully. So when you, when you got your guitar, were you trying to be Mike or Stone first? I wasn't trying to do anything in particular, um, but I only owned the one album. So I went to my guitar lessons um, with this guy who, I mean, he could have been, he, he looked exactly like Kurt Cobain, exactly like Kurt Cobain. His name was Art. His name was Art in Castle Shannon, Pit, Pit, Pennsylvania, near Pittsburgh. And, uh, and uh, he would, we would spend the first, you know, 15 minutes of class doing the, the boring stuff, the... You know the boring, stuff. and then for the last half, I could learn any song I wanted, and 
And uh, for, well, first of all, I dislike the boring stuff because I did all the, I had so much fun with the boring stuff on the trumpet. I yeah. had no interest in doing the boring stuff anymore. But uh, I only owned the one record. So, you know, I learned, uh, I learned Better Man and I learned uh, whatever order. And, but we didn't have tabs or it's, it was, they, they weren't always right, but I was playing, whatever. You're playing the song. You're playing, you're, you've got a guitar in your hand. You're getting better. It doesn't matter if you're doing the song right. Anyways. Right. And then, on maybe you know lesson number eight or something, I brought in Vitology for the eighth time because <laughs> it's the only record I owned. And he told me, uh, he said, "Man, you can't just be the Pearl Jam King. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, gotta, you can. You got to do some other uh... <laughs> right." And but listen, you know, as a twelve-year-old, I was so embarrassed by this. Well, I didn't own. I didn't know how to buy a record or who, what other bands there were. You know, it's embarrassing for a twelve-year-old. And so I never went back. I had eight guitar lessons, and I, ne I never went back. And I started uh, just well. I started making mix. Oh, then I signed up for one of those. You know, buy one CD get forty-three for ninety-nine cents or whatever deals. Still paying, and so that. I just, yeah, <laughs> I just checked all. <laughs> that's right. I just checked all the boxes that looked cool. I got the, you know, the Stone Temple Pilots and the Nirvana and the all the other any Pearl Jam record. I would walk to the record store, you know, probably a couple of miles. I, I would walk with forty bucks, and I would buy any Pearl Jam CD you could buy. There was some some li There were you know illegal bootleg whatever. Yeah, and and it. In short order, had a stack of, per and then a stack of, you know, the the CD club stuff, and I started to make mixtapes, mixtapes, you know, yes, yeah. record oh, on the I've... on the tape, and you spin the CD, and uh, and it quickly devolved into my mixtapes were only Pearl Jam. Yeah. So I thought, well, I'm, I, these aren't mixtapes. I'm just going to just listen to the Pearl Jam albums. <laughs> and then and then I uh, just you know started downloading tabs and and taught myself. You know, you don't teach yourself. You, you can't teach yourself anything you i ta i taught I, I alone by myself learned to play the guitar thanks to the internet and the pearl jam tabs and stone gossard and mike mccready and eddie vetter taught me to play the guitar oh my god i love that story it's making the hairs making the hairs stand up on my arm it's so beautiful man that like you can start from band and start with trumpet get your bass totally evolve move your own direction, uh, moving towards the guitar. And as I understand it, you actually play live. You have your own band. Is this true? Yeah. So Ryan, I have a funny story about Rob Broderick too, but, <laughs> but I feel like we got to get Rob on here next time, man. I gotta, I gotta meet the, the, the maker of the Ryan Lent virtuoso here. That's, that's right. I totally forgot the quote. Oh, the band. Yeah. So, so Ryan Lent and the Leavers came about because, okay, so I went to college for, for two years. I went to Penn State, like everybody else who graduated high school in Pennsylvania. Right. I went I went to Penn State for two years. And in those two years, I didn't do a lot of school. Mm -hmm. I, I, I mean I did what I had to do, right? But it wasn't right. it was clear my I was at college to do rock band. Yeah. So I started a band. Um with this guy Tom, with this guy Tom, who I like was in baseball with in fifth grade, you know, we knew each other. Yeah. You play the guitar? Oh my god, so do I. Let's let's start a band. And uh, this other guy, Tom, who we met on bass, and this other guy, Tom, who we met on drums, I think <laughs> And uh, we had, and there, there was a guy named Bob, there was a guy named Bob on the keyboards too, but we don't, we don't talk about Bob. We don't talk about Bob. Right. We <laughs> don't right. talk about Bob anymore. What about Bob? Yeah. <laughs> what about, that's right. That's right. Um, oh yeah. So we had this weekly gig at this hookah bar. And it was like two bucks to get in and we'd usually make like 20 or 30 bucks, you know, you know, whatever, but that's not where we were there, but we had to play. 
for hours. We had to, we were the house band that night and we'd play, it was, they kind of like the jam band kind of fish kind of deal. Everybody liked Pearl Jam. Sure. You know? it, sure. It was, it was understood, but, but they were like more jam bandy and I was more like a, like song, like write a concise song kind of deal. And mm -hmm. so we would take these songs that I wrote. I've got the CD of our last performance uh, somewhere lying around here, but um, I, I, these songs that I wrote and we just put great big jam sections in them. Um, and so we'd take a three minute song and turn it into to eight minutes because it's a hookah bar or whatever. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, and that was where I learned to be in a band with with the three t with the toms <laughs> when you're when you're up there with the toms since they're fish fans and you got so obviously you know you're gonna have this trey anastasio kind of influence kind of going on in the college because man tell me about it out of college out here was all about the jam band we went and saw fish out at the gorge many times right and so when you have these 14 18 minute fish songs and these two and a half minute Pearl Jam songs, right? And so it's like, I guess what I always wonder is if you do both of those, which way have you found yourself kind of gravitating towards? Do you just like to keep it keep it tight, keep it concise when you're up there with, with the band, you know, with the levers up there and kicking it down out there in Philly? Like, what what do you guys go to? What's your go-to jams up there? Yeah, so uh, we have to. Uh, yeah, we gotta we gotta talk more about the levers there. Um, but uh, oh, the levers. Yeah, so I got ooh, I gotta get there if you don't mind me taking the, the long way. Take it as as, as it goes. Okay. Anytime, brother. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So so then after it became apparent that I was at college to do band, I thought, well, what am, what am I really doing? I'm spending money. I don't even know what I'm studying. I was majoring in Russian because I didn't know. Wow, what to major in? No <laughs> kidding. Dang, yeah. nice job. <laughs> So then one day I uh, got in my car uh, with $1,600 I had saved and all my turtles and I drove to California with nothing in particular in mind. And, and I formed this band named Breaking Code and we rehearsed in the, a storage unit, mm -hmm. like one of those garage doors. Yes, sir. And there was there was one light bulb which into which you could screw a electrical socket adapter. And we had, I mean, the guys had half stacks and... We were loud, and all the electronics all plugged into this ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous light bulb adapter, and it was on a timer, of course, so you didn't leave your light. So every once in a while, we'd be playing, and the power would just go out. <laughs> Somebody forgot to turn on the, uh, yeah. the timer. We crammed into this tiny storage unit, and, and what happened was, and that was the first group with with whom I like truly rocked for the first time, made loud, like tight music. Um, but what happened was the the bassist and the and we're all still friends by the way the bassist and the drummer decided they wanted to be more kind of a prog metal band kind of a thing mm. and which was not the original deal mm -mm. Uh, and 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 me and the guitar player uh, decided we wanted to continue on our alt rock path yeah. so this band broke up and you know I was like 22 or something and when you're 22 a year of effort is a lot of effort right yep. Right, of course. So, so I, deci I decided right then and there that it's called Ryan Lent and the Leavers, not because of leaving, but because of the book <laughs> Ishmael, which if you're a fan of Yield, of course, you probably know about the book Ishmael. Uh, and Daniel, uh, Daniel Quinn talks about the Leavers. So that's, hmm. that's, the, le that's the Leavers. And Eddie Vedder was reading Ishmael when he wrote Yield, which is my favorite wow. Pearl Jam album. Not, not yeah, well. kudos. So, yes, <laughs> me too, man. Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. Dude, you, dude I, 10 was always the number, but I tell you, the more I listen to Yield, and of course it's, it's you know, 15, 20 years old already, but 
the more I listen to it, the more the higher it gets. I just sent Nino a text like, I think Yield's my favorite album. It's and there was a time. There was a. T- I don't know if you experienced this, both of you, uh, when I did, but in that two thousand three, four, five, six time. I used to get made fun of for liking Pearl Jam as much as I did. Did you encounter that? Well, yeah, for me, because when I was really into Pearl Jam, it was 99, yeah, the, the mid to early 2000s. And I was the only kid, I tell this in the story, walking through my school singing Black or Jeremy or any of these songs. And everybody else was into the hard rock or like Linkin Park or the Disturbed or even like the NSYNC stuff. So yeah, I was like complete, complete outcast when it came to that, for sure. Wrong time. Maybe if it was 10 years earlier, it would have been okay, but. Way long time. That's exactly right. But hey, listen, that's called character. You find something you like. That's right, man. And you and you stick with it. You don't have to just move along with the tides. No, you don't. <laughs> so you know, it's funny you brought up the prog rock, right? So mm-hmm. when I when I hear that, my mind goes to Tool right away. Okay. Right. Yeah. So I just saw those guys two nights ago out here in Tacoma, and nice. so when you know when I'm watching those guys. You know, every song is 10, 12 minutes and it's a whole it's more of a performance. It is a rock show, but it's 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 the lights and the background and all this stuff. It's not as mm-hmm. just stripped down, get to it, start rocking like Ed and the boys do. So I always wonder, as a musician yourself, when you go to concerts and shows, are you even able to kind of relax and sit back and enjoy the music? Or are you always trying to learn and try to figure out how they're doing what they're doing and incorporate it into your own style? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you that listening to music is um, it's a different experience for, for, for me now. I I cannot listen to music without analyzing. Hmm. I, I cannot. I can't. So it's kind of exhausting for me. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that that said, if it's songs I've already analyzed the poop out of, then yeah. I can just I can just enjoy it. I can okay. just totally just go with it. Right. As far as the, the the interesting thing about that is I used to measure where I was or but I used to I used to measure where I was as a as, as a musician, I guess. Um, yeah. and if you if you've listened to my um if you've listened I, I did like a, a like a story, like a like a monologue story kind of thing a couple of years ago and it was uh was it pearl jam it was it was about my journey like with 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 pearl jam music as the backdrop and 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 the thing that i realized as i was writing that and i wrote that because stone asked me to write something (laughs) and that's all he said so i didn't know what to do wow so so i wrote this monologue story thing and it was about my journey with sort of Pearl Jam as the backdrop. And, and I realized as I was writing this, uh, that my journey the whole time from, from the, my first Pearl Jam concert was the day my life changed. It was the day that I realized I didn't want to go be an FBI agent, which is what I thought I wanted to do. (laughs) Hence the Russian. (laughs) And since the Russian, that's exactly right. And, and, uh, what way to connect that. And, uh, but that I wanted to do music and starting at that moment, starting, starting the moment I actually showed up early and, and Ed came out before there was almost anybody there and did like a solo sound check thing for fun deal. Um, and I didn't know he had a beard because I was, you know, he's not trolling the internet for what Eddie's facial hair looks like. Or sure. And so, so I thought, Oh, that's funny. There's a guy coming out to sit down and play. And then I heard his voice and I lost it. 
I 100% lost it. And in that moment, my life changed. And I went from going to be an FBI agent or something uh, to I need to do music. Uh, but the thing I need to do is I need to figure out how Pearl Jam does that. The thing that they do, how do they do that? That's your segue in so many great things, Ryan. I got so many questions for you, man. Like I've watched, <laughs> I've watched, like I, the reason why I found you was I've started to get back into, uh, into guitar again. And I kept finding and coming across your YouTube channel and of course, Pearl Jam centric. And you do such a great job in kind of not just telling people how to do it, but telling about notes and, and the kind of the, the theology, the kind of the, how it works. Right. So bravo to that. But I saw one about Stone, right? So the Life Wasted video, I saw this one where he kind of gives you a shout out. So what was that kind of like when he when he took over and said, you know, here you go, brother? Well, he, he asked if he could come on <laughs> kind of sheepishly, <laughs> which I thought was pretty That's awesome. Well, w- would you like to hear that story? Sure, I'd love to. Um, see, Stone's my... So as I said before, like Eddie's my dude, but Stone's my guy. So my, my son's middle name's Stone. So I love Stone. I'm a big Stone fan. So... Please, yeah, you have my attention. You're the second. Per- you're the, my second friend uh, in the Pearl Jam world whose son's middle name is Stone. Well, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> that's love awesome. It. Best two yeah. people, right? No, I, <laughs> I've I've always I've always been a Stone. Well, I haven't always been a Stone guy. You, you know, you do you have this guitar because Rob brought not this guitar, but you have a guitar because Rob Broderick told you to buy a guitar, right, and take <laughs> guitar lessons, and you, as is the case, <laughs> and you and you um. You're listening to Pearl Jam, and who do you know? You know the singer, right? Yeah, right. It doesn't matter what band you're talking about. That's the name you learn first. So, uh, you know, I've been playing the guitar since I was 12. I've been playing the guitar for almost whatever the hell years that is. A long time. twenty, Almost 28 years. And I recently, within the last two and a half years, bought my first guitar pedal. Because mm-hmm. Eddie was my, my imprinting, you know, and he doesn't use guitar pedals. Anyways... Then, then obviously, then, then you got the lead guitar guy most of the time, and you're like, he's tearing it up over there. That's Mike McCready. That's awesome. But as I started to learn and learn more, uh, I became a Stone guy because he's just such a musical goofball. Like he does stuff that you're not supposed to do, and he and he pulls it off. Right, Eddie, Eddie, and you know, talking about kind of the development of of, of Pearl Jam, he's like Eddie's Mister. Let's take a shape and move it around, guy. Better man. <laughs> The chorus to Porch, which he wrote, right? He's just, Eddie's let's move a shape around guy or play some chords and figure out what to sing. With a great approach, an amazing artistic creative approach. Awesome. Mike is Mr. Guy. Mike is Mr. Guy. But that's all your pentatonic scale, and he's Mr. Pentatonic scale. I can shred it until around circles around everybody, guy. Great. I mean, okay, but his open tuning songs like uh, present present tense and and faithful, which is the song I, as I told you, the song I can't stop playing when I start playing faithful and given to fly, you know, is a, is in dad gad tuning. So, anyways, the that but uh, I wasn't looking at that. But then you're thinking about um, well, here I actually took the time <laughs> to, to to write out why, and I'm gonna make this video sometime. But I took the time to write out why Stone Gossard is my favorite guitar player. Dude, wow. that's awesome. Look at that. <laughs> and, and, and this is and this is just a bunch of musical notes in the songs that he's written, right? So, okay, so let's take Black, for instance, right? Sure. Let's take Black. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got, it's kind of normal. We got an E chord. Uh, and 
then you've got an a, this is a D shaped A, so it's an A. So you're really you're going E A, uh, but up but up here in a particular voicing. But what happens here? That note. That note is is a C note. That note is not in the key of E. There's notes in the key of E. It's E, F sharp, G sharp, A, B, C sharp, D sharp, E. That's Do, Re, Mi, Fa, So, La, Ti, Do, starting on E, right? Mm -hmm. So the instant he plays C, it's like doing this. It's like doing this. You got a C note in the base of your E, right? Which should remind you of, and I just realized this for the first time, that exactly is this thing. Right, so he's up, he, so he's playing an E chord, but he puts a C in there. What? It, that's why Stone is Gossard is no. I mean, people do it, but I, but you know, knowing what he know, having talked with the man and knowing what he understands about music theory, <clears throat> which is not his creative approach. He doesn't go, okay, I'm in the key of E. What should I? What should mm -hmm. I do? He just sits there and does stuff. And yeah. he waits until something happens that he adores. Mm -hmm. And usually, it's really weird, like playing that C note in black. Mm -hmm. Right? That note just pun punches you in the left nostril somehow, yeah. right? <laughs> or, or in all those yesterdays, which I love, which I love. The, the, a normal chord progression would be F, C. This G note in our C chord is the fifth. So he plays the sharp fifth there. He plays a C augmented chord is what it's called. But that's just bonkers. And that's the whole song. Like, that's the whole darn song. <laughs> that's all you need to make a Stone Gossard song. And I just think it's the best thing ever. I mean, obviously. Yeah. So do you think he doesn't get the, quite the recognition that he deserves for his creativity then because I, I i firmly agree like some of the most iconic riffs come from stone right at even flow alive all these different like daughter like i just love the intro to daughter like so and i contribute all that to stone so i just i wonder like of course mike gets a lot of the cred because he's the guy and of course ed but stone is he's he's a big reason for the success of pearl jam there would be no pearl jam right. without stone right right, there, right. I mean, look at Eddie's solo songs. They are completely 100% different. They are a different thing. They're like in the Tom Petty kind of thing. We're playing some chords. We're singing a melody that's great. and uh, But we're, we're not... We, we, we haven't got this bucket of musical nonsense confetti that we've somehow molded into this just thing that's just the best thing ever. So, point is, and apart from the reason that there w would literally be no Pearl Jam without Stone, you know... His musical input is my personal favorite uh, in the band, but he, there would be no Pearl Jam without any of them. Yeah. So do you think, Ryan, this is one of the questions I want to ask you because you've dissected all of – so you've transcribed every one of their songs, right, in their entire catalog? No, I'm working towards that. I was going to – when I started my YouTube channel – finish your question. Go ahead. Then sure. I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Over the last 30 years, do you hear a significant difference of whether it's complexities – or simplicities or kind of how they play off each other of course adding a third guitar you know in i think versus is when ed started coming in at least with his guitar so like do you hear from 10 to gigaton a significant change of, and when possible 
what do you prefer? Like, what's your flavor of ice cream? I know you said yield, but from a musicality of Pearl Jam, like, what is the? I ask a lot of questions here, but what is your favorite time for the music of it? Yeah, I'll just answer that until you stop me or something. <laughs> yeah. so, so, first of all, I think Brendan O'Brien is the sixth member. Well, it was mm-hmm. boom, right? So, Brendan O'Brien is the seventh member of Pearl Jam. I mean, if you when you look at those B sides, and hey, whatever, in the moonlight's a great song. I love it because it's a Pearl Jam song. So, okay, if it's a Pearl Jam song, so it's automatically in my favorite group of songs. But within that. I'm not. I'm not such a fan of Hitchhiker. You know, okay. I don't think Pearl Jam's such a fan of Hitchhiker. Or give um, me no grip, grip me out of control, right? We talked. No, I actually love. I actually, I actually oh, love that song. But, but, but that's <laughs> that's okay. Uh, I don't have it uh, close enough to reach for, but I have the Grimmy out of control shirt um, that was given to me by one of the Toms, uh, and it's. I've only ever seen one other person wearing it at a Pearl Jam concert. It's, anyway, uh, nice. <laughs> so, so there's that. Uh, good story, bro. So. Um, Oh, right. So, I mean, I think Brennan O'Brien is the sense. Uh, uh, I mean, that's what a producer does. They take ideas. A producer could be super involved to just a little bit involved. And I, I don't know how involved, you know, and it doesn't matter how involved Brennan O'Brien uh, is. But um, it, it seems to me that if you kind of look at those songs that never became real songs, compa- they've got good riffs in them. Um, but, but, but compared to the ones that became real songs... I can imagine, and this is just me imagining and guessing, but I can imagine that they had this idea, and if it were left up to those five and those five only, it would have become another song that wasn't quite so good. Uh, but I think I think Brendan O'Brien comes in and goes, what if you do that there instead? Mm-hmm. And what if you come in with this here, this thing that you're doing? Just do it here instead. And, like, it becomes... I, I mean, if you... Look at, listen, listen, I mean, so Gigaton, for instance, right? Gigaton, we know, is Eddie and I, the producer's name escapes me, but he he was Chris Cornell's guitar tech and then he, right, he worked it. And suddenly he's, not suddenly, I'm sure he's a very talented man. But if I'm a, a young man sitting with Eddie Vedder <laughs> in the studio, because this is how Gigaton was produced, right? Eddie Vedder and this guy, was his name jo- was Josh? I, I forget, doesn't matter. Nice man guy. That's his name. Yeah, nice man guy. (laughs) If if I'm nice man guy and I'm sitting there with Eddie Vedder and there's a a creative difference about what should happen in the song. You're defaulting to Eddie. Whatever you want, Eddie Vedder, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jesus Christ. And you can can tell that because Gigaton, Gigaton has songs with so many disjointed parts stuck together and that's cool. That's totally cool. It's it's art project-y. Yeah, it is. It's a different kind of an album than I Versus, agree. which sounds like, you know, we're all the way through Versus, it sounds like one album. It's a great comment, Ryan, because like whoever said, I actually really enjoyed whoever said, but it almost sounds like two or three different songs. Uh, exactly. Split together. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. I've, I've heard before that like, Pearl Jam's master at bridges. So I'm not a songwriter by any chance, but. Like, give me your take on on the orchestration, how they kind of write their music. Is oh per, no, I, this is one of my favorite things about Pearl Jam. Just to give you a super simple example, so like Wish List is just a C and a and a C. It's just a C, and you're moving that one note around C. And then the chorus is F C F C F C comes the G and then down to F. Okay, 
Super simple song, just C, F, and G in this song, right? But when they get to the solo, you know, every, most bands will just play the solo over the chorus riff at the end of the song or whatever. Song form, we can totally get into, but in the solo and wish list serves as the bridge. It's the only thing that's different from the from the verse and the chorus and wish list. So it's a solo, it's also a bridge. Point is, the solo is G, F, and C. Different, still the same chords, but in a different order makes a humongous difference. Like melodically mixing the song up, Pearl Jam is the master of the bridge. Their bridges are my favorite bridges in the whole entire universe of the world. They're they are the master of the bridge, and their song form, their song form, like like you know the average pop song goes verse pre. Let's say there's a pre-chorus in the song, verse pre-chorus chorus, verse pre-chorus chorus solo mm -hmm. chorus chorus. That is the song form, you know, strategy of winning. Top 40 action. Right. But if you take Faithful, if you take Faithful, this, I'm in the wrong tuning for it, but you've got the verse. You've got the verse, and then they go into this part, which we can call the pre-chorus, because it comes before the chorus, right? So we got verse, pre-chorus, and then we got the chorus. By the way, my favorite note in music is this one. That's my favorite. Note. That's so cool, dude. That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> because here, <laughs> because here's why. Not that yes. Here's why. We we're on a we're on a, a C and a G chord. We're on G, and in that G chord, Stone goes G. So he's like, in yeah. case you didn't know, we were playing G, G, and he goes from here to here to do it right. And then, well, as it keeps going, and the second time, or the fourth time, or whatever, it goes up to that D note, yep. which is the chord, it's a note in the G chord. It's the fifth. So I always hear that song. I needed to, that was one of the things I needed to see at a Pearl Jam show, was those two notes. Those are my favorite notes. So his tone's like G, and then he's like, there's the fifth D. Just, <laughs> I love that. There's another reason why Stone Gosser is my favorite. Uh, Oh, right, so so that's the chorus, and then it goes into the bridge, right? That's our bridge. So we go verse, pre-chorus, chorus, bridge. And then we go back into the chorus. Right? I can't, I can only, I can only. So, verse, pre-chorus, chorus, bridge, pre-chorus, chorus, verse. So, I mean, right? would, it, would it just be absolutely amazing to be on a fly on the wall during their, their studio sessions? It'd absolutely be, right. it'd be absolutely Well, amazing. I watched, I, I've, even though I've seen it 462 times, I watched a, a single video theory just last weekend. Yeah, I've mm -hmm. watched that. Uh, and it's, it's so cool how they interact together, especially like a little bit of conflict between Ed and, and Stone and and the whole Ebo or um, uh, what's that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the Ebo that, that Ebo oh, yeah. argument is so awesome yeah. because it's yeah. like, can you get to an Ebo? And he's like, I can't get to an Ebo. And he's like, I can get to an Ebo. You can't. And then he asked, and Ed asked Mike, and Mike's like, Sure, why not? I can do it. And Stone's like, <laughs> Stone's like, Come on, Mike, are you like, man? Don't overrule me on this. It's so cool. I love that thing. Love that. We haven't even talked about the drummers, but I know you're a guitar player, uh, and then you know. 
obviously Pearl Jam's gone through their challenges with their drummers, but you know, I guess in that point of view, have you studied any of the drummer situation or you know, what do you hear more? Like, obviously I think Dave Ambrosese, him, and then obviously with Dave Cruz and before them, but do you hear any differences? And then do you prefer one or the other, Ryan? I do have, I do have my favorite Pearl Jam drummer and it's Jack Irons. So, so, you know, Dave hits the crap out of, out of the stuff. And, um, and Matt Cameron is, um, he's like Mr. Scientific computer, like, uh, you know, do, yeah, do the rhythmic calculations at an amazing pace. I appreciate his creative input into Pearl Jam and I, I love him as a Pearl Jam drummer. Uh, he's a very close second <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to, to, to Jack Irons, but Jack Irons is like, super vibey and it's one of the reasons why yield is one of my favorite albums it's yep. like you know just the way he he hippifies i mean he's a hippie you can just tell with the yep. way he drums right his just gratuitous fills but they're but but they have they have a lot of feel to them that <sighs> yeah and uh yeah but you can't you can't complain about having matt cameron on the drums either but but everyone likes dave and I'm sure he's a nice guy and everything. I'm not trying. I'm not saying anything bad about Dave. I, I don't. His, his drumming to me is 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 meat heady. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like let's just plow through everything. Yeah, um, which is why people love Ten and Verses and then stop liking Pearl Jam, right? That's an interesting perspective because I mean, Last Exit's a great kind of a real interesting like the intro to Last Exit's super heavy on the drum, which I kind of really kind of sets the record off, but. And then obviously with no code, like you hear Jack Irons, it's just a way different sound to it. But no, I've never heard that kind of aggressive, kind of meatheady type approach versus more of a planned out approach. So interesting. Yeah, and you can always tell when Matt Cameron got his fingers into the into the mix there because uh, not into the musical mix, but into the pie, so to speak, uh, because it will have a funny time signature. Like for instance, you know, take uh, <clears throat> take uh, Ye- Yellow Moon, right? Ooh, I love me some Yellow Moon. Yeah. One, two, one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, one, two, four. You know, so, so, it'll, so it'll alternate with that D being one, two, one, two, three, four, five, six. And then it'll be one, two, three, one, two, three. So that D will be either two or three, depending on which time it is, you know. And, uh, and then, yeah, Jeff's responsible for this one, but low light is kind of similar. One, two, three. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, one, two, three, four, one. Except sometimes it's one, two, three, four, one, you know, just three on that little fill. So messing with time signatures, but doing it in a way that your audience doesn't notice unless they take the time to look at it. It not just messing with time signatures for the sake of messing with time signatures which can come off clunky when it's that. And you could, you could spot that from a million miles away. But when, when they do it and you didn't even notice that they were doing it until you sat down to map it out, that's, I love it when Matt Cameron does that. He does it well. Oh my God. So since you've seen PJ quite a few times, where, okay, so you said the first time you went was, was that when you saw Ed come out to do that kind of sound check? Or when was the first time you actually saw them live? Yeah, because, you know, thinking back to internet wasn't a huge thing. Obviously, it was a thing in 2000. Um, but, you know, I was kind of uh, um, b- busy with baseball. Yeah. 
and, and stuff. Yeah. And, and it didn't even occur to me that seeing your Pearl Jam live was something that you could do, that one could do until 2000. So I get you. Six years into my into my relationship with Pearl Jam. And uh, yeah, <clears throat> and so I saw him at, at and had it been any other tour, I wouldn't have even got tickets because it was a whole Ticketmaster debacle. And yeah. I, I didn't, because I didn't really realize that it's something I could do. I didn't even buy tickets till the day before. Mm. And there was a ticket, right? There, it's wow. not, you can't, it's never going to, it was, and it was, it says Pittsburgh on the bootleg, but it was in West Virginia for, oh. for the reasons, right? <clears throat> it was in Morgantown or near Morgantown, which is where my sister lives now, by the way. And I was driving from Pittsburgh to Morgantown a couple of, from Morgantown to Pittsburgh because my dad lives in Pittsburgh, my sister. Anyways, and I was driving on and I was, and I passed the exit for the venue and I was like, oh my God, I'm literally taking the same drive. Yes, that I took are. that night, yeah. right? And that, that was neat. And yeah, so so that was the first time and the time where my where my quest was 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 set in stone. And that was, you know, pun intended, I guess. Was uh was how do they do that? How do they right. do that? And and so I I got to a level of obsession about their gear or just paying attention, I suppose, because sure, right, sure, that I could with. With three quarters success rate, tell you what song they were going to play next based on what guitars were what in they were hands. bringing out. It is awesome to see McCready's stack on the side because <laughs> there was one time where um, where I was on the side of the stage and there was this little mm-hmm. kind of set area, and it's awesome in the aspect where like Mike is ten feet away, all of his axes are right there. Ed's walking by. That's when he would actually wear like the old George Bush mask, like in the yeah, silver yeah. jacket. He would come out, oh, do yeah. all that. You can't hear for shit on the side. It's right. like, no. so if you were in a Pearl Jam fan, you probably wouldn't understand or even know like what they were saying. But I mm-hmm. totally know what you're saying when it comes down to when the guitar techs are pulling out the next guitars and slapping them on mic. I was like, Oh, dude, I totally know what's coming next. And you can you can <laughs> nice. you hear it just on the down low when they're just kind of getting their first couple chords going. So don't feel bad. Mm-hmm. Obsession is, <laughs> is, is the rightful path for a Pearl Jam fan. Right. So it's totally right. it's totally all in the good. So Eddie is starting off his tour on the East Coast with the Earthlings. Are you uh, going out? Are you going to be able to... Uh, get into New York or New Jersey and uh, catch them solo at all? So I went to New Jersey to see here now, and that was a really fun drive, a long drive. Yeah, <laughs> and, it's a long I drive. Wanna, I don't want to do it again anytime soon. <laughs> You're like, no, it was good. How was it seeing yeah. the boys after, you know, a couple years off? I, it, they seemed, it was great to see them on, you know, they were a little rusty, you know, but I mean, I mean, they're still up there doing their thing, man. How did it feel? I, uh, first of all, the sound was so good. I mean, mm. you know, it was outside. That's always, that's always yeah. a plus. Cause you don't have sound bouncing off the back wall and back at you, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I had pers- I, I think that was, they were the tightest I'd ever seen them in that show. And Eddie sounded great and, uh, they were super tight and, um, I appreciated so much that, you know, they don't need to prove anything to anybody, but no. they still go up there with a serious job to do. Yeah. <clears throat> they yep. do not phone it in. Not even a little tiny bit. <laughs> Definitely not. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I have another quick question for you, Ryan. I'm more of a Ooh. musical and, and, and 
lyrical side. So we've talked a lot about Eddie. We dote on Eddie quite a bit, man. We love this guy. And are you more impressed with how they develop music or have you done any kind of thoughts on have any thoughts on, on Eddie and his his lyrics? And I've seen most I'd say most of the songs are, are written by Ed, but do you have any more appreciation for him or like how the music's done? Um, yeah. So, I mean, uh, because uh, I think his lyrics know, are top notch. I mean, without a doubt, I mean, just no, they are. And there's such depth in them. But then you get, and, and I'm not taking anything away from Eddie. I'm just, I'm just also saying also, uh, then you get like, well, nothing, man. Who wrote the lyrics to nothing, man? Did Jeff write those? I think he wrote those. It's possible. Yeah, it's quite possible. I mean, I know they. Share- I actually have no idea. <laughs> I actually have no idea. I'm gonna, I'm gonna shut my mouth on that one. Um, <laughs> but uh, man, just the mystery of the words. Thinking back as a 12 year old, thinking about uh, Tremor Christ. I freaking love that song. That's yeah, one mm-hmm. of my favorite songs, Tremor yeah. Christ. What the hell is he talking about? Right. As a 12 yeah. year old, you read it, and now I can, I can look at it. But still, like, what was he thinking about when he was writing that song? And then there's like. Amongst the waves, which is just very straightforward and beautifully said at the same time, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then there's big wave, which is like, okay, Eddie, you like surfing, cool. Yeah, does. <laughs> cool man. <laughs> <laughs> so there's uh, there's the whole range, whatever you would like, whatever you would like. From we need to really think about this for a couple of hours right. <laughs> to right. Okay, he likes he likes surfing. So yeah, I mean, what's kind of crazy is um, so today one of Ed's new songs dropped uh, called uh, "Brother yeah. the Cloud." Right. Yeah. Yes. So I was checking this out today. Really good. It seems like he finally sat down and put a little pen to paper. It seems like it's about Chris, right? Uh, or it could have been someone else that has has passed. But everything that I was leaning towards as I was dissecting the lyrics, kind of had that kind of like, oh, do a Chris Cornell feel. And then when I listened to the song Haves, like you've, like you've been saying, and we know this about Ed, what's crazy is he's going to have so much variety coming with this new album. I can't, I can't wait, man, because it's like I got the vinyl on order, CDs coming, I got to listen to it in the car, jam it out in the garage, do whatever. But he's also going to be having Stevie Wonder on this album. And Elton John on this album, and you can do that when you're any better. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what I'm saying, right? So I always think like, how cool is it for Ed to grow up appreciating music so much, having his idols, growing into the position where now he's on stage with his, you know, there is peers, but people he's looked up to like Pete Townsend and Tom Petty and Roger Daltrey and everybody you know from pink floyd and stuff so it's just like i always have that sense that he is just so well-rounded because of the music he's listened to so aside from pearl jam what else have you what else do you really get down on when you're not obsessing over pj what are some of your other go-to bands oh man well i have a playlist called golf <laughs> well, you brought up golf before, you know, so it seems like you get out there and swing so, the sticks once in a while. So let's see. Let's let's see what's on my own. And I, I had this with Aaron. He was my student and golf partner from the you mentioned him at the yeah. beginning there. Um, we had a golf playlist and it's still on here, but it got we, we started putting really silly stuff on there. Um, That's good. Um, but there, so I'm going to go to my second golf playlist and tell you what I, I didn't 
include him in this. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> there's a there's a band called, uh, from Pittsburgh called the Clarks. Okay. Who you only know about the Clarks if you're from Pittsburgh. If if you live within X miles of Pittsburgh proper, and as soon as you leave Pittsburgh proper, nobody's ever heard of the Clarks. I love. But bands when you like grow that. up, so great. When you grow up there, you assume the whole world knows about the Clarks because your whole world knows about the Clarks. Right. The Clarks are my secret other favorite band. <laughs> Don't nice. tell anybody. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I and that when they play, you know, one of the reasons is when they play, they play at just a bar. Yeah, you know, um, but they've got a bunch of studio. They, they've had, uh, you know, songs on The Simpsons and they were on Letterman. And so they've done all the stuff. Right. But they're a Pittsburgh band when it all kind of fizzles away. And, and so they play in Morgantown once a year and I go visit my sister and see the Clarks. And it's my favorite time ever. Uh, I love Tom Morello. Um, so Audio Slave, uh, his his riffs. um yeah, and especially the first Audio Slave album and half of the second one, and then by the yep. third one, you could tell that they weren't really all that into it anymore. <laughs> they just I, had I to agree. put it on an album. Yep. Um, and then you've you've got your you know one off like man, do I love some Eric Clapton songs? Like Change the World just makes me feel so good. Yeah. You know, yeah. These aren't the this isn't the right arrangement, but. If I could meet the stars, I don't know how to play that song. So I'm gonna stop. <laughs> you can play the slow you've hand got, man anytime you want, brother. You know, you've got, <laughs> you've got the Weezer. You, you've you've got the Weezer songs that you never get sick of. You know, sure. You, you sure. can listen. I don't care how many times you've said you've seen you've heard say it ain't so. I I, I will never it's get great sick song. of that song. I yeah. love it. <clears throat> Euphoria Morning is my single favorite album that has ever been conceived of as as a whole album. Euphoria Morning. That uh, is made an me, amazing yeah. album. So Absolutely. Ryan, I, I spent some time in Seattle and I typically lean towards the Seattle band. So of course, Pearl Jam. And But I'm a big Modest Mouse fan. Do you have any Modest Mouse? Oh, me too. Do I know any Modest Mouse? I, I knew it, bro. <laughs> I love, listen, Isaac Brock is my second favorite front man. I think his voice is so unique. He's uh, He is. Uh, Modest Mouse is on the short list of bands I've seen more than once. Me too. I've seen him. Uh, I think I think about four times, and it's yeah. I, I love. I actually, I actually love Modest Mouse. Um, I'm just trying to think of like a do 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 do. That was a guess. There it is. Right. I got the wrong delay. I say heat wave can't complain that the I love, them. I love they're parts. fantastic they're fantastic <laughs> so of course like like i said they're from issaquah which is really close to where i used to live but no huge fan and uh thank you for that that was great i gotta circle i gotta circle back to a little tom morello and some of these virtuoso mm. guitar players so i'm very excited to see rage against the machine in a couple months when they finally hit the stage just so i can see at least see tom i haven't seen zach in forever so when you're I don't know if there's ever any guitarist you put up on a pedestal so high that you're like, I don't even know if I should even try to touch their music to learn how to play because they're either that good or so advanced. Do you have some guitarists that as you've been growing in your musical career that you may not that you would have, say, trepidation trying to learn what they're doing, but just like 
like, God, I don't even know if I can even come close to sounding how they're sounding. Like, who are some of your guys? Yeah, so so I totally understand the question. Here's how it goes. Here's what happens to a person learning the guitar. They start out with the pop rock stuff because it's third eye blind. It's it's do 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 do. You know, your, your three chord, your three chord kind of deal, right? Yeah. Great. Then you people generally graduate from that, but and graduates the wrong word, but yeah. but then you move on to your sort of alternative rock, which is a little more difficult, a little, mm-hmm. a little more complex. You know, everyone's got their own their own tastes. And then if 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 that's not if you're not satisfied spending time there, because listen, I thought that I would run out of 90s-ish songs to do someday. And I now realize that I am never going mm-hmm. to run out of... I am getting close to 1,200 songs that I've done in five and a half years. And yeah. I now understand I've committed to doing this for 30 years. Mm. So I've got 24, 24 and a half more years left. And I now understand that I am never going to run out of 90 ish, 90s-ish songs. It'll never happen. It's the best era. Best era, right? Let's be honest. <laughs> right. So it's not like you can get done with an area and then move on. You can't. Yeah. You can you spend as much time there as you care to, and then you move on if you'd like to. And for those who would like to move on from alternative rock, they move into metal. Mm-hmm. That was, that, yep. They do. That's what happens. And then, if that's not complicated enough for them, they move into jazz. Yes. that's how you get to jazz. That's how you get to jazz through through metal because that's the most uh, most of the time. It's it's one way. <laughs> so yes, for it the is. purposes of this conversation, that's how it happens. Okay. Yeah. So uh, so so I'm a hundred percent satisfied down here at at alternative rock. There's I don't I don't ever care to shred personally. Right. I have a really good friend who does the guitar solos in the levers, and I will never be a guitar soloer. I can teach you to solo. Right. But I will never, it will never be my place of creativity, soloing or Dig shredding. It. Right. I am not on a quest to, for BPM. Uh, right. That is not, that's not me. I'm trying to put that, that sharp fifth into that C. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to do, right? Uh, I'm all about the interaction of the melody and the chords. Euphoria Morning is interaction of melody and chords. And you look, work it in up, so well, so well, my friend. look look, yeah look look up uh look up how many chords go watch my four-part series on preaching the end of the world and count how many chords are in that song i will i will check that out yes it is a lot of chords in that song anyways so so uh to to to, that was my roundabout way of answering your question that there's tons of guitar players that I, i i will never touch what they do because it's it has nothing to do with what i want to do right dig it yeah yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Makes sense to me because, you know, it's like, even though I love Van Halen, I know I'll never, ever try to even strive to play like Eddie. I'm not going to play like Tom Morello. I'm not going to play like Dimebag Daryl. I'm not going to play like any of these. Maybe a little Tony Iommi. You know, I could do a little Black Sabbath, <laughs> you know, and just kind of yeah. like keep oh, that sure. nice, keep yeah. that nice groove kind of going. And yeah. uh, no, I'm it's like I'm totally loving that for sure. So what songs are you going to be working on next for your uh, next couple episodes you're doing? Oh, man. Well, I was I was I, I meant to do what I'm going to do tomorrow, yesterday. And then 
I heard that, you know, Stone and uh, Painted Shield. I heard that Stone and Painted Shield, they performed on Instagram yesterday. They just played one song. But but whenever I hear that he's doing something, I like to promote. So I made a quick video just promoting his little, his little, Stone's little performance. <laughs> didn't Hell yeah, right man. Way. Uh, but uh, so then that, that dislodged that. And then today I spent all day cutting firewood because I live in the woods. Um, yes. And so I didn't have time for what I wanted to do, which is the campfire version of yesterday. No, no, yesterday of today, today by the Smashing Pumpkins. Campfire version of today by the here it goes like this. Give I, us a little, a, ter- a little. I'm a terrible finger picker. Pumpkins. No, it's good. And I, I I did a ta- I did a tab right with the backwards yeah. code the super C- so it's it's today Smashing Pumpkins is yesterday I put an eggplant back together. That's why yes. I said yesterday. I was, <laughs> I was looking at it. Anyways, <laughs> so and the whole the whole super the whole super secret backwards code came thing came from like with the kit. Like I, I had a music school in California. That's what I did for work yeah. for a, a decade and a half. Um, Dang. Uh, nice. and, yeah, and and we'd have these groups of kids and rip roaring good time, unbelievable fun, and we just we'd turn the titles into ridiculous titles, and sometimes we couldn't remember on the tab sheet that we made for ourselves. We couldn't remember what the hell song it was yeah. like months later. <laughs> yeah. we had the one, the, the, the most perplexing one we ever had was seven B a, and we couldn't figure out what the hell seven B a was. Yeah, what until, is seven B to the a until one day when I was doing seven nation army with another group of kids and mm-hmm. I spontaneously wrote seven beaver army. Mm-hmm. And then I instantly <laughs> knew that seven B a was seven beaver army. I love it. Anyway, so super secret backwards code, and here, here's uh, here's today campfire. I, I was I got a little better at it, but I don't have to be able to do it to make a video. No, no. you'd be, all be able to do it once. Okay, so it's like uh, I can do it. Here, I can do it in organ sound. I got this cool pedal here. Yeah, no, it's not gonna work. It's not gonna sound any good. Okay, here we go. I hear it. here. And, yeah, and then I do, maybe I do a little better here. Whatever, okay. And then the rest of the song is just easy chords. Today is the greatest day I've ever known. And so it's actually pretty simple. Love go. it. And it sounds great, yeah. Ryan. Oh, I, I wish I could play the bass a little better because I always had a thing for Darcy uh, growing up, man. So anytime I would go see the Smashing Pumpkins, yeah, I'd want to go and see James on the guitar and and Billy was always great, but Darcy was always my guilty pleasure. So I'd always try to be like stage left. You know, it had to be done, dude. It had to be done from back in the day. Oh, it's so great. Man, this is so much fun. Wes, we got anything else for our brother out here? No. We can keep going, but you know. Yeah, no, I, I just want to thank you, Ryan, of course. And uh, it's been a pleasure to, to talk with you and to meet you and, and to correspond with you. And, and again, you have been a real big uh, improvement in my guitar playing. So I've spent the last 10 days just, it was a good Pearl Jam song a day. And you were always the first one on the list. So <laughs> thank you for that, my friend. It was really That is awesome. That makes me so happy to hear. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. And uh, yeah. You're always a guest on the show, Ryan. Again, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, my pleasure. This is really fun, guys. Thank you for Take having care, me. Ryan.